Hello and welcome to another episode of Iodelli Speaks. I'm Iodelli Harrison, husband, father of two, senior partner of education with Community Bill Ventures, having over 20 years experience teaching, leading, and now consulting in public, private, international schools. So for this episode, I just have to admit, I did not release an episode last week because I was scared. Um, didn't know what people would think. Um, as you know, last few episodes I've been reviewing movies. I reviewed uh, Small Axe, uh, Lover's Rock by Steve McQueen, and then I watched One Night um, in Miami by uh, Miss Regina King. And then two weeks ago, I actually did watch with my wife um, American Skin by Nate Parker. And if you don't know, um, Nate Parker was accused of rape uh, a few years back and um, was, I guess, found not guilty, not brought up on charges, something like that. But, you know, after talking and reading and talking to other women, it didn't seem as though, uh, or he was remorseful for his actions. He didn't really speak directly to the woman apologizing. And I was on a call yesterday with a group of friends, not yesterday, last week with a group of friends. And they were talking about how no matter what Nate Parker might have felt like doing, there were certain things that a good lawyer would tell him not to do. And some of that involves apologizing because it could be an omission of guilt or something else like that. And so the women I talked to, especially my wife, felt like although he was, forgive me for not knowing the official term, but... Uh, vindicated, not, you know, charges were dropped. He still didn't acknowledge the woman as well as he should and acknowledge her as a person, as a human being, um, and be remorseful. Um, and so because that was a sticky situation, I didn't really know how I felt about, well, I, I, I was hesitant to, to do a review of his film, you know, and my wife and I talked about this a few weeks back before we actually watched the film, because she was like, I don't, I can't support Nate Parker, you know, and all the things that he's done, you know, uh, what would that say about me as a black woman? That's what my wife would say, you know, and we talked about it a bit, and, you know, I'm, I'm always trying to learn from her what language to use, how do we navigate, you know, how do we honor the the human beings that exist in that situation without knowing their full situation? What words do we use? You know, when we're on the call with a group of black men and black women, um, we expressed this idea of like not having all the facts is hard and we, we don't always know where the truth lies. One woman on the call, two women on the call expressed having uh, family members some some of them were children of theirs that were accused of you know of uh sexual misconduct with with girls but it wasn't true it was all lies that they found out and so even the black women were on there like it's really hard to navigate these situations because you want to honor the human being good morning reggie you want to honor the human being that is each person in this experience and we don't want to demean anybody. The challenge remains is that there's truth somewhere 
And we as observers don't always know that. So how do we make space? How do we send love, passion, light, love, nurturing, security, care to both in that situation? You know, with and, and not to, to a certain extent on the surface looking like the bad person. Right. Because you supported a rapist. Well, we could be supporting a rapist, but we also could. That person could be have a story that that's not exactly true. And it's been spun a certain way. And because of legal representation, they might not be able to engage and speak as openly, as honestly as they want to. So that had me scared. And I didn't I didn't want to review the movie because, you know, it's something that we're often challenged with this idea of the actor or the person and then the actions of that person. Right. And because our humanness, our human beingness is so awesome, we can create exceptional art and also do evil things at the same time. Those two things aren't mutually exclusive. We've seen those for numerous examples and we know what comes up for men. My men, my species, my gender, black men, white men. I believe it has roots in white supremacy, white dominant culture, and how we as black men emulate or regurgitate the oppression that we've experienced and we perpetrate it onto our women. And there's, there's plenty of history about how we've done that and how white, rich, white Europeans exploited us for that. And so as a part of our history of enslavement, the male-female relationship in the black community has always been challenging, tough to navigate. And so that's what added to this pause. Okay, so I, I wanted just to say that. That's the actor or the person the actions in terms of the creation of this movie, American Skin. Spoiler alert, I'm just going to talk about a few points. And if you haven't seen it, uh, you can see it if you so desire to support um, the artist in that form. But American Skin is about a black man who's, in short, who's riding with his son at night, pulled over by the cops, Cops escalate the situation and his son ends up getting shot. Son was not driving. His son was in the passenger seat. Son had a cell phone. Police officer was clear that the son had a cell phone. But what we come to find out is that part of the police officer's training is that once a gun is drawn, there is no de-escalation, meaning of putting away the gun at that point. Now, I believe there's some truth to this, the policy. I, I don't know police standard operating procedures. But that kind of makes sense. Like, if you pull a gun, you have to make sure the situation is completely secure. That's like, if you're in a fight and you put your hands up, you got, you're not putting your hands down until you know you're completely safe. And so, anyway, I'm not justifying what he did, but, you know, he, some was shot. And so, that's at the very beginning of the movie. We know that. But the rest of the movie is about uh, a documentarian, a young African-American 21-year-old brother who has a uh, film team who wants to record Nate Parker's character's story. And he's following him. One thing the filmmaker didn't know was that Nate Parker's character 
was, well, he knew he was clearly upset, saddened, heartbroken, angry, all the other emotions that come with losing a son, not only just losing a son, losing a son by gunpoint, not only losing a son, but losing a son by gunpoint, losing a son by police officer gun, not only losing a son, losing a son by gun, but not by a police officer, you're standing right there. So he's got all that in him. And this movie plays out about how he wants to, in, in theory, experience justice. Because what happens is what has happened in this country, the United States. Trial is had, or jury, grand jury, finds that there is no reason to convict. The young man, police officer, white male, ends up going back to work the next day. And saying that he was within his rights, he followed protocol, police protocol. And Nate Parker's character, just like all the others, that this has happened, all the other family members are like, how is that justice? What, huh? My son, my daughter, my nephew, my niece, my brother, my sister, my cousin, they're dead. So how does someone get a chance to have state-sanctioned shooting and I say state sanctioned because it's not just one man. He didn't go out that day to shoot somebody. But through training, through his learning, training that is by the force and training that is learned by his survival mechanism as being a police on the street, we come to find out that he profiled the driver. He profiled Nate Parker's character and his son. Profiled him. That's the why, way, reason why he pulled him over. Wasn't that he was speeding. He profiled. He said, what is a black man and a, or bl two black men in a car driving at night, a beat up car? What is he doing in this neighborhood? And so what happens is Nate Parker's character goes into the police station or excuse me, rallies his friends. Right. Nate Parker is also a. Uh, 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 a military veteran I think in the, the Marines they say he's a military veteran and he gets some of his military buddies who are retired and goes and captures the chief of police who is a black man from his home takes him to his police station hold all the people in the police station police and bystanders and staff members hostage and what he does is essentially have a trial. But more importantly, he has a truth and reconciliation moment. So going back to thinking about uh, Nelson Mandela, right? And saying, hey, we're going to have this trial, but we really want truth to come out in this space. And so the movie progresses. I don't want to give away everything. Um, but essentially, he creates a... Like, Nate Parker's character is the judge, right? And then there is... Uh, he finds the jury of his peers. They are some of the people who work in the office, some of the men and women who were uh, in there, maybe paying a ticket, maybe, you know, whatever that might be, holds him on trial. And the police officer has another police officer defend him. And Nate Parker is the plaintiff, right? Defending his son in, in this conversation. And so what happens is this, powerfully intense moment of truth because Nate Parker was basically like we're going to have this trial his character we're going to have this trial right here right now and we're going to have a jury 
And the jury is going to hear both sides of the case and then decide whether the police officer is guilty or not. And Nate Parker's character at the beginning of this trial says, I'm not sh-. He's questioned of if by one of the jurors who happens to be um, someone from one of the jail cells, so uh, someone who's been arrested, he says, are you willing to go through with the verdict, right? And execute that and stand by that, right? So he's challenged. So this whole process is what's happening is a case is being presented on both sides and so many dynamics come out to play. My wife says the, the, four, the four eyes of racism, right? Or I call them the four eyes of oppression. Racism is a form of oppression. It is ideology, institutional, institutional idea, ideological oppression, institutional oppression, interpersonal, rela- interpersonal oppression, and inter, excuse me, and um, internal oppression. And you see this play out in different characters and scenes within the movie. But what we're getting to, because we're exploring these four eyes of oppression or four eyes of racism, what we're beginning to see is this truth and reconciliation trial happen. And we're able to get to this truth. The challenge with all this is, in this movie, when truth does surface, what's gonna be the consequence? What is going to be the consequence? We don't know. And as the movie goes on, I'm not gonna tell you the end. You can imagine what happens. But we don't know what's gonna happen. Now, from my understanding of the truth and reconciliation trials that happened in South Africa post-apartheid, post-physical apartheid, what they did was, I think officers who perpetrated these crimes against humanity were brought up in front of a court and in front of the people they perpetrated against to tell the full story. And I know some of the stories were the people had been hurt so much by loved ones being lost, maimed. They don't even know where they're at. They wanted some truth and to be able to find and locate the bodies of their loved ones and be able to put them to rest. And so some of the truth and reconciliation trials were long and arduous, but it was police officers and victims and bystanders telling their stories to the people. Because with truth, no matter how hard it is, comes healing. And with this, this, we cannot have reconciliation and healing without truth being there. But it's hard because how do we step into truth when we don't know if there's going to be rep- repercussions? And that's what this movie plays out, right? And that's what happens when there's a miscarriage of justice, when we're not able to bring people to char- to trial. Now, we know trials are all riddled with, with challenges, juries, and all this other type of stuff. High-powered lawyers are doing this. But what happens with the trial is people get a chance to hear. People get a chance to unpack and know truth. Now, we don't know fully what the justice system will do, but we can get to some truth and some understanding. We can get to this root cause of where you're at and what we found out in this movie. The root cause was racial profiling. And I said it earlier, the officer was stopped at a light so, excuse me, stopped at a stop sign on a, what I call a T-junction, right? He was on the, the, the vertical T part, horizontally going across in front of him from, from right to left, 
was uh, Nate Parker's character in the sun drove past. The police officer said he was speeding, did not have a speeding gun out to record. Just visually, he thought he was speeding. But it comes to find out what happens is really he might have thought he was speeding. But the overriding factor that came out was the racial profile is what are these two black men doing in this raggedy car in this neighborhood late at night? This idea of you don't deserve to be here. So because you're not here, because you're here, I have the right to do this. And this chain of events, right? Because I profiled you, go through all these other events and it leads to a black man, a black boy being murdered. But it all stemmed from this idea of you don't belong here. How I react to you feeling like I don't belong here and all that plays out, it's not meaningless. But we have to understand that it's a train reaction of events. And that's the key. That's what black folks, people of color, people who've been oppressed want to get to is what is this root cause? What started this chain reaction? It's not just one man. It is from over, it's from his conditioning, his training, also his socialization, and his experience being out there on the streets. All of that is mixed together that has him make this decision to execute a traffic stop, which ends in murder. And so this movie unpacks all of this in just an hour and a half. It's a great piece of film work, shot very well. I think Spike was one of the producers. I don't think he directed it, but I think, well, I, Nate Parker was the director, but I think Spike was the producer on it. And you can see elements of Spike in it, Spike Lee to be specific. So I just thought it was just a very profound movie. And, and you know, I come in on and, and, and in my podcast, I talk regularly about black men supporting each other and having affinity with one another. And it was so, man, I'm just now thinking about this. It was so intriguing to see black men from different social classes in this movie, different genres of life. Some are in jail, some are retired police officers, I mean, retired uh, military veterans. Others are going through cancer and sickness. We don't even know the other stories, but there's this level of accountability. There's this level of camaraderie that happens in this movie that I believe you. I believe in your cause and I'm going to support you. And the men that were behind Nate Parker and supported his character didn't fully know what was going to happen. They had an idea, but they didn't fully know what was going to happen. But they trusted that this man had been wrong. He's hurt. I am in his corner. There is injustice. Injustice has justice has not been served. And so I'm going to go along with him with the skills and the training that I have. I'm going to offer them up to him. And they followed him. And Nate is the one, Nate's character is the one that chose to do what he needed to do and suffer the consequences for what he did. So American Skin, I feel like I'm a movie reviewer now, but when it's black men in there and black men caring for other black men and nurturing and supporting and showing accountability, holding them accountable, challenging them, because even in the height of this intensity, there were moments where Nate's character, who was supposed to be the guy in charge, was, was confronted and held accountable 
by the other men in his group and also black men in that room. Amazing. Well done. Well shot. So anyway, that's my review. Take a look. Check it out. Love to hear what you think. I got to get on to this, this, this next morning meeting uh, that I have. As you guys know, I've launched the Black Men Educators Talk Leadership Lab. This is a space for Black Men Educators to come together virtually over five sessions beginning February 20, February 24th, all the, going, all the way through May 19th. We're going to come together and learn how to together lead equity-centered learning experiences, experiences that can be, can be facilitated for our students, for our families, in our own personal lives, for our colleagues. That's what we're going to come together and do. We're going to come together to learn to lead the way we want to lead, not the way we're often forced to lead or forced to be up front. Because it's not always leadership positions that we're put in, but we're given authority to we're given authority to execute authority on our black and brown boys and children. But we're not giving the full leadership capacity. So this is where we're going to train and understand the tenets of equity center facilitation and learn each workshop we're going to feature a specific tool a protocol that we can then use and apply right away so i invite you to to join me for that uh first session is february 24th there's an all access pass tickets are 50 dollars 49.99 per workshop but if you buy all five workshops you get a 20 percent discount so it's buy four get one free so that's 199.96 dollars i want you to be there for the full go this is a long-term professional learning engagement over three months we're going to be coming together five times virtually to learn to lead that's another episode of iodelli speaks i'm iodelli harrison until next time peace